Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The FIA World Endurance Championship on RS3. On RS3. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. So here's how it stands then. We're under full course yellow. The SMP number 17's gone into turn one hard. Igor Arutchev has uh, left the scene of the accident under his own steam. And that has kicked off a huge amount of pit stops with rain in the air. But everyone at this point having to go for slick tyres. Before the pit stop started then, here's how it stands. Toyota Gazoo Racing, Fernando Alonso pulling away for his teammate, Kobayashi, Kamui Kobayashi in second place, although Kobayashi has got the fastest lap of the race. Eight and seven, the only two cars on the lead lap, uh, and they have the better part of, had the better part of two laps on the field, which is led by Thomas Laurent in the number uh, three Rebellion Racing LMP1 car. The Arudsep car was in second place in that LMP1 category, but that SMP racing car is going no further unless it's on the back of a flatbed. Renga von der Zander is behind the wheel of the number 10 Dragon Speed car. Those two were in very close competition when Arudsep went off at turn one, but I'm fairly certain there was no uh, jiggery or indeed pokery that went on with that. Those are the only cars really who haven't had any problems at the front of the field. Uh, with in the LMP1 category. In LMP2, JCDC, Jackie Chan DC Racing, Will Stevens leads in the 37. From Pierre Thirier from Signatech Alpine, Matt Mutt in the 36 car in second. With Racing Team Netherlands, it's been a great run uh, by that car. Nick de Vries started in 33rd position and managed to get all the way up to second in class before he took his pit stop. Fritz van Erd is now behind the wheel. TDS Racing number 28 in fourth position in LMP2. Mathieu Vaxavier behind the wheel there. In the GT categories, it is Jonathan Bomarito in the 67 Ford Chip Ganassi Team UK Ford GT, ahead of Alexander Sims in second place in the 81 BMW. His teammate, Antonio Felix de Costa, is in third in the 82 BMW. Then it's Richard Leet for Porsche number 91 and Michael Sorensen, for Aston Martin Racing's 95, with Alex Lynn making up the top six, also for Aston Martin, the 97 car. In Arm, Team Project One now has Jörg Bergmeister behind the wheel, that newly delivered car. They've led since the drop of the Stars and Stripes, which started this race some one hour, 59 minutes and 45 seconds ago. Aston Martin Racing in second place. Paul Dallalana's just dived into the pit and will give up that second place now to Jan Luca Roda for Dempsey Proton Racing uh, and the 88 Porsche. It's the Matt Campbell-driven 77 car that will go up into third position when he comes around next time around. 203 laps to go, or if you prefer, exactly six hours of racing remain. And you're listening to live coverage of the FIA WC from... Sebring International Raceway with thanks to Porsche North America and Michelin Tires USA on RS3. The FIA World Endurance Championship on RS3. On RS3. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. 
And what remains of the number 17 SMP Racing BR Engineering BR1 is now being moved from its resting place, which is just out of turn number one, to the safe side of the concrete wall there. Okay, it will eventually go back to the paddock. The shower is already passed, so it can be washed with the visa. And uh, the tires are the right one. You should just uh, struggle a bit for the restart to eat them, but everything is fine. I will update you about the response. Not yeah, so fuss about nothing then, really. Well, I I honestly think that shower was always going to be. It was going to be sort of five or ten minute affair, and then it's going to go back to just being cloudy and still a warm day. Uh, but nine o'clock is a worry for me because it's showing showers at nine and full on rain at ten. So uh, it's not a time to you know get your eyes away from the radar by any stretch of the imagination but I think for the next couple of hours we should be okay as far as Andrew the wet stuff is concerned Andrew Marriott in the pit lane by the way we're going safety yeah, car now as well John it, it never actually rained in the pit lane so it must have been some little local shower down at one it never rained here but I think we should have concern for later that we are going to have some precipitation down here but uh, thus far it's uh, been a dry pit lane at uh, in the pit exit, car 8 is the leader, keep the pace, all cars may accelerate to catch up the line behind the safety car. All cars between car 8 and the pit exit of the IMSA may accelerate to pick up the line behind the, behind the, the safety car. Safety vehicles on the start-finish street. I see a Chevy truck just down to our left. The FIAWEC safety cars, all provided by Porsche, all of the intervention and safety vehicles, they are uh, stationed in the IMSA pit lane right in front of us. Uh, the secondary 911, I do like those sport classic wheels that they've got on that car. I need a set of those. Very nice indeed. The car is out. The second safety car is still sitting in the pit lane. The green light that flashes in between the flashing yellow lights on the roof of that Porsche 911 Turbo showing the cars behind to go through and overtake the safety car and that is that is fine normally not of course so now we have a safety car so remember before uh, dear listeners and viewers I said we will not see a safety car here well you will if you see the SC boards come out the safety car boards come out Rudchev just, I think, misjudging where he was on the track there because he was about a foot away from getting away from that. I know. That. Well, that's the thing. If the tyre wall was a kind of, kind of conventional tyre wall, as in dead straight, without those bits sticking out, he would have got away with it because he just about recovered the moment, although he was on the grass and in the sand. But there, were, there are blocks then of tyres that are deliberately there to cushion you know a big off like that and he just couldn't arrest he couldn't get the steering enough to the left to avoid the first of those blocks right now here's why the safety cars come out this is america and working on a track even with full course yellow out there is rather frowned upon over here well in fairness i think it's done at all the world endurance championship uh, uh, races if there's track maintenance to do i.e fixing a tire barrier or fixing an armco wall it's just safer for everyone out Please. there to put them behind a safety car. It gives it gives you a couple of minutes where there's no cars yeah. going going past. 
So the SC boards are now out. So that means the safety car. So we had full course yellow. Think of that as a virtual safety car. You don't pack up behind anything. You just slow to 80 kilometers an hour and hold station. Pit lane remains open. Pit lane exit also remains open. Safety car is now out. SC boards by the side of the track. And it is a Porsche 911 Turbo that is leading the field. No chance of now... Uh, reaching a thousand miles or 268 laps, says Paul Truswell. We were, are in for what could be called a traditional eight-hour race, even if it doesn't start to rain. Andrew Marriott is down in the pit lane with one of the men of the opening couple of hours. Surely started 33rd and passed all bar the top four or five LMP1 cars. Uh, Nick, yeah, he's got a big smile on his face, and so you should have after a tremendous first drive here, just uh, palling along here with Guido van der Garde, but uh, you must be proud of that. Yes, we had a very good start of the race. It was uh, extremely tough out there, uh, mainly the temperatures. Your body just starts to get hotter and hotter, and you never get a chance to cool down, and uh, my drinking tube fell out of my helmet uh, already after two laps in the first stint, so I didn't have any, any well, liquid in my, inside me. Uh, but nevertheless, we came from last to uh, P2 when we were the quickest on track, so uh, I'm happy with that, but uh, it's still a very uh, long race to go. And uh, Guido, you'll be in the car next, presumably? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, I don't know how, this, how long this takes, but uh, for us it's quite good. I think Fritz is now in the car. He's our Bronx driver. He did a very good job. Um, we still have to wait how long this, uh, this is going to take. But um, for now, I'm quite happy with, the, with where we are, and hopefully we can go a bit more forward. Well, we love seeing a car, we love seeing both of you drive so quickly here and we love the uh, yellow colours, but we don't understand it because your colours should be orange. <laughs> I know, I know. Orange is always a nice colour, but we got sponsored by a very big supermarket in Holland and they are Jumbo and the colours are yellow, uh, but it's still very bright and it looks nice on track. Absolutely excellent. Thanks very much to the two flying Dutchmen down here. Yeah, the Jumbo or Jumbo car uh, is uh, very easy to spot on the racetrack as we hear from Andy Prio now from the pit lane. Yeah, Andy's put in a great job there, done a great job getting that gap and now this safety car has taken it all away again. That's just a bit disappointing. Um, had a really good outlap, good stint and yeah, put a nice gap to uh, P2 but it's all closed up again. Um, that's racing but um, yeah, we've got a great setup at the moment so hopefully we can get our head down and go again but um, it was a very tough uh, first stint for Harry. I uh, did a great job, kept it pretty much in position, and then I managed to jump the P P1 car on the outlap, which was really nice, and then got my head down. So really happy with the stint, but yeah, safety car, that's racing, and we've just got to, you know, this is not one until the last lap, so you've just got to keep your head down and, and deal with what comes your way. We've got a fair few hours ahead yeah. of us. There is a lot of racing ahead, um, maybe, maybe also weather conditions as well, so um, it's not done, you know. It's, um, we've got a good car, and we've just got to stay... Stay sharp, no mistakes, and um, push in, uh, to the maximum for every stint and see where we go. Oh, you've done it before. You can do it again. Yeah, I've had a busy paper round. <laughs> I've done it a few times, but uh, I really enjoyed the stint. The car was great. Um, team's done a great job with the setup, and um, I felt really comfortable and really be able to push. So, you know, that's a really nice feeling when you get into your little zone there. And um, we, we had a good stint, so I'm happy with that. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Andy Prio from the number 67 car talking to Louise Beckett there and uh, as he says had something like a 12 second lead prior to the safety car coming out. Prio sharing the car with Harry Tinknell and Jonathan Bomarito and it's being 
driven by Bomarito right now, in fact. So I think we've seen all three drivers in that car now. Yes, we have. Ticknell started it, Prio the middle stint, and Bomarito now circulating behind the safety car. Full course yellow speeds will be investigated after the safety car procedure. Again, that's a sort of a belt and braces thing. Johnny like looking at the start of the race. It's not suggesting that any particular car has transgressed, but they'll have the opportunity to have a look. And what they're looking for there is sector by sector, and not just the three sectors we have. Uh, it is uh, broken down, or the uh, four sectors that we've got. No, three sectors that we've got. It's broken down a little more by that, and therefore an 80-kilometer average is looked at between those timing lines. It's a bit like driving through roadworks uh, and having the average speed cameras every few hundred, hundred yards. Take the opportunity whilst it's quiet to say thank you to our marshals around the circuit and to everyone involved in putting this together who's given up their time. And also to go to Andrew Marriott, who's one of, with one of my very favourite people in any pit lane around the world, Bart Hayden, the man at the head of Rebellion Racing. Yeah, I'm down with uh, Bart Hayden, Who's had some happy times here at Sebring, really, over the years? Uh, well, a bit mixed, I think. We have had some good times. My first experience of it, I was actually driving and I blew the engine up, so it wasn't that great. Yeah, I remember that. I think you had a motorcycle. I think you had a motorcycle racer in the car as well. I, I think you had a motorcycle racer in the car as well, if I remember. We, we did indeed. Terry Rymer, you're right. Yeah. Um, so, the one car, is, it, is that out completely now? No, it's back in the race. I mean, it's. It's obviously a few laps down, so it's going to be tough to get a good position. But uh, it's back on track, so you know you never know. Okay, uh, but uh, I've just seen a very nice touch in your garret, in your area there. Each engineer has his name on his chair, and I've never seen that before. It's a really nice touch. Well done. Thank you. That's Bart Hayden. Yeah, the uh, Swiss-backed, but of course Surrey-based team, uh, Rebellion Racing. Used to be called Sabah Racing in the old days. Yeah, the Arabic for seven. Uh, Bart seldom seen in a pit lane or a paddock without a smile on his face. He's just one of those people, Johnny, is he not, that uh, just seems to be perennially happy. Yeah, and uh, he loves his motorsport, um, whether he's driving, as he alluded to there, or running a team, which uh, in the last 10 to 15 years become much more familiar with at Rebellion Racing and one Rebellion have good history at Sebring yeah. in the 12 hours as well don't they in it like running LMP1s one of the preeminent privateer teams of the last decade or so in whatever category they have run whether it's been in P2 P1 um, they've, they've bounced between the two of them depending on how the regulations have been routes in GT racing with Porsches I seem to remember that's Seba racing car amongst others uh, only three p2 cars left on that class lead lap says paul truswell in our race facts updates it's the 37 jddc leading the 36 signature and the 29 team netherlands delara well i was pleased to see uh it got a rich walking away from that accident uh, yeah. that was that that was a very severe impact spinning the car around like that always looks spectacular but the good news is when that's happening is it's uh, it's shedding energy as it does that and pieces of the car of course but that's exactly what it's meant to do yeah certainly so and uh, sadly for smp racing 
They've had some big accidents to deal with through the course of this season. I mean, Metavos Izakian, who's not here this weekend, actually flipping around in Spa when they came over the rise at Eau Rouge and the car left the ground. So the SMP racing machine having to be repaired yet again, but it's very quick when uh, when it gets uh, some clear air. That, that uh, The BR1 chassis is a very clever concept. Uh, it, it came out of uh, the thinking behind their bespoke p2 car a few years ago before this new category right. that we still have now the global four chassis category and so they invested an awful lot in the design of that car and then were basically told you couldn't run it in lmp2 anymore same as rebellion did as well don't forget and uh, you had uh, uh, a number of other people who were well down the road of developing cars well br have turned that into uh, an lmp1 car and it is built already to be able to take seven different seven sorry that was because i was looking at something else on the screen several different in fact three different engines in that car so it's an ideal start for someone who wants to go racing you buy one of the chassis off the shelf get pick one of the three engines and i'm told by the designers of that team that there are other engine options that could be made to fit that with a, a little bit of uh, redesign so you know the ultimate privateer chassis perhaps that car and uh, we hope they get some more out the door uh, we had a quick chat with brendan hartley on the grid earlier on let's see how the race is going for the affable kiwi andrew is down in the pit lane hello brendan i, I know my colleague spoke to you on the uh, start of the race but uh, now you're into it a little bit obviously your other car's taking a big hit but uh, you're in a good shape here yeah shame for the sister car um they had good pace and they were they, you know they were fighting the rebellion hard uh vitaly had a, a puncture um, the middle of his, his, his uh, second stint on, on our car, so we've lost a bit of ground. But it's a very long race, and there's a bit of weather coming, so we've got to keep it on the track. And uh, I think there's still a lot to play for, even though we're on the back for a little bit. We'll we'll fight back. Well, you've got to conserve yourself a little bit for racing tomorrow. I do, yes. But uh, at the moment, I'm trying not to think about that because that, that that's going to dawn on me later when I'm trying to get a few hours sleep before I hop in the car tomorrow. So, I mean, are you looking at Australia and saying, I wish I was there, or you're saying, I'm really happy I'm in, in uh, Sebring? Um, combination. Of yeah. course, I, I love my time in Formula 1, and, and I was sad to leave, but equally, I've been very much welcome back into the WEC paddock and have a big history here, and, and it feels like I'm. It just goes like that sometimes, but so many times last season, you were so, un so unlucky, so unlucky. Yeah, it's, it's a part of racing. Um, I felt the same way sometimes, but I, I, I gave it my best shot and felt like I had a, a really strong end to the season. But you know what? I've, uh, I, like, like I said, I'm happy to be back here and, and I've got no regrets from uh, the last year's racing in, in Formula 1. Well, I tell you what, it's great to have you back. Thank you. Thanks, Andrew. Back to green flag racing and all of those gaps have disappeared now than the laps between cars and... Here we go again, Johnny. Palmer. Absolutely, yeah. The difference, of course, between the World Endurance Championship and the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship is that we don't do any unwinding of GTs. There's no wave-by system like you would get at Daytona and here at Sebring. So if you're caught between uh, the car behind the safety car and effectively your class leader who may be behind you, that could be quite a bit of time lost. 
and Paul Truss has been feeding us information as to who is on the lead lap. GTE Pro, 10 of the 11 starters still on that lead lap. So we're set for a fantastic fight. The safety car certainly hasn't split the field. And the same goes with GTE Am because all the eight cars that started remain on the lead lap. Toyota Gazoo Racing. Fernando Alonso at the wheel of the number eight car. Kamuko Bayashi in the seven. There's a gap of six and a half seconds as Kevin Estra closed up incredibly there on Alex Lynn and Marco Sorensen in the two Aston Martins just ahead of the 92 Porsche. There's a rebellion as an interloper right in the middle of that GTE Pro field, and that's Neil Janney. Uh, he'll clear off from that. It already has got past everybody except the leader in the class, who is... Jonathan Bomarito in that number 67 car but this is all right on all over again with the prototypes coming through who were further down the field it's the number 10 Dragon Speed car the evil Knievel colours if you like the white with the blue stripe with the white uh, white stars on it which I'm pretty certain was the car that was in close proximity when the Rutschev went off uh, 22 minutes of green flag racing lost in that full course yellow and the subsequent safety car that came after it. It's fascinating to witness the cars through turns 15 and 16 and the variety of lines taken uh, depending on whether you're in a GT or a prototype car. The GT's doing their very best to stay out of the way of the quicker cars but remember that the heavier GTs are less manoeuvrable than those cars that are relying so much on aerodynamic downforce. So in a way, well, the GT car drivers are basically instructed to hold their line, and yeah. it's then the LMP1 and LMP2 drivers, uh, it's their job to basically work their way around. But you have got moving chicanes, particularly on a, a lap immediately after a safety car. Talking to the BMW GTE drivers, and they're all, they all say it's extraordinary when you get passed by a prototype. You think you're doing pretty well. It's all going fantastically brilliant. And then through goes a prototype, passes you like you're chained to a post, or yeah. at Le Mans in particular. You're going into the Porsche curbs and you're fighting with every sinew of your body to keep this 1,250-kilo car pointing in, roughly speaking, the right direction. And then a prototype comes down and drives wherever it wants because it's got <laughs> so much down. And you're looking enviously out of the window at people just picking through as if they were on Forza Motorsport and exempt from the laws of physics yeah it's, so it's like quite funny listening to them having a chat this morning actually it's like they've chosen the beginner setting the LMP drivers they're going to just do what they want basically yeah. and, got and, all you, the, got and you're all the on the Uber on. expert yeah you've got all the assists on haven't you you know they're looking at the little spotted line on the road brake assist steering assist not falling off <laughs> extra grippy thing whatever yeah. that is little mistake by the 67 Four crit Chip Ganassi car. Yeah, that's the class leader coming through 17, and that's allowed the BMW to get right on terms there. This is Jonathan Bomarito and Alexander Sims battling together. Yeah, so Bomarito will certainly know that Sims is right behind him. There's a bit of a gap then, though, back to third position, which is the other BMW of Antonio Felix da Costa. I remember uh, as part of a publicity event at Le Mans last year, I watched Antonio Felix de Costa score a penalty backwards 
phenomenal stuff. He managed to find the, the bottom right-hand corner as back heeling it in, and he's a, a mean driver as well. Third position in car 82, trying to close that gap down to two seconds as the GTE and Porsches still jostling with one another. Actually, that was the 77 getting stuck in with Fissi Keller in the 54 Ferrari, actually, and uh, Pedro Lamy in the 98 Aston Martin. So busy down at Cunningham Corner, turn 10 once again as LMP traffic tries to unravel itself from the GTs after this restart. It's marvellous stuff, though, isn't it? We're under 200 laps to go, 196 to go, two hours and 20 minutes have been completed. Do the arithmetic. Uh, carry the four. 18 hours and 20 minutes to go then. That's good. There How have go. you managed that then? Nice. Is it anything to do with the fact that that figure's displayed on the screen, top right corner? Sorry. I've spoiled the Thank illusion. Thanks for that. <laughs> but there was people visualising me with shoes and socks off. Like Carol on. Vorderman. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, 74 laps done and 195 to go although Paul Trusswell reckons we won't reach that distance no. now because of the safety car so it'll be dictated by time and you're looking for the magic hour of midnight so no early finish for us tonight then eh? Sadly not yeah. I don't, no I think it might have only been about 10 minutes anyway <laughs> so uh, um, but it'll, be, it'll be the next lap completed of course after midnight just like you get at Le Mans where that's a set number of 24 hours and as you get here for the Mobile One Sebring 12 hours, the 67th edition, tomorrow, which is a set 12-hour race distance. Bud, I was interested to hear you mention Carol Vorderman there. Uh, I don't know if you know, she's a huge motor racing fan and uh, has been in the back of one of those old Minardi uh, single-seaters at Donington in the past. And I remember interviewing her few years ago at the British Grand Prix at Silverstone, it must have been a long time ago because it was in the old pits, and she was tremendously knowledgeable about the sport, so uh, there you go. Carol, is she, is she a sports car fan? That's the next question. Well, we'll, we'll have to ask her. Carol Vorderman, for those that don't know, uh, used to be the um, mental arithmetic genius on a programme on British television called Countdown, and she would, when you did the numbers game, you had a set of numbers and a random number generator and she would use them in the most bizarre and interesting of ways to get the number and uh, became a bit of a megastar now just do that show it's uh, Rachel Riley I think who does that now is that right? It is yes dear that's a bit scary hang off those pop culture uh, oh. hello to Barnaby Scarf who's tweeted in at RSL underscore studio ever so good to hear Andrew Marriott, never enough of him in my life. Hashtag legend. Very good. Like it. And Stephen Wilkinson says, great coverage as always, getting me through my aerodynamics assignment for university. Mm -hmm. Stephen, you don't say where you are. Let me know. And hello to Sarah Rigby. Unsurprisingly tuned in and following Aston Martin, which are line astern in the new Vantage. And she has driven a new Vantage in the driving experience last August at Silverstone on the national circuit. So she's had one of those lime green cars under her control and had a fantastic day by all accounts excellent well I'm sure uh, any day at Silverstone is enjoyable and particularly when you get to drive a, an Aston Martin they're doing alright at the moment sort of mid-pack and certainly in the hunt 5th and 6th positions for the 95 and the 97 Aston Martins looking pretty stable under the control of Marco Sorensen 
and uh, Alex Lynn. Kevin Estra a bit wayward though, coming out of turn one. I noticed a couple of wheels dropped into the sand there on the exit of one and then heading towards Christensen Corner. <laughs> yeah, easy to do. Slightly over-egged the pudding. The shower has passed by and there's a hint of sunshine in the sky down towards turn seven and 17. That's where the drivers will get the sun in their eyes, Johnny, when it goes down. But this GTE Pro battle, just absolutely brilliant. It's like a heavyweight prize fight, isn't it? Lap after lap, round after round, tour to tour, battling with these giants of the GTE world. I mean, immense to watch, and uh, we're set for, you know, hours of this yet another seven and a half pretty much sorry seven five and a half i'm not vorderman am i by any stretch of the imagination five and a half hours to go till we get to midnight and the sunset at 7:34 tonight at sebring international raceway we've got the gloaming creeping in though and this track gets even more atmospheric at this time of evening rob jenner is uh, leaving our coverage a bit early this evening in the UK. He's up early to go marshalling at Silverstone Circuit tomorrow morning. Rob, thank you. And would you thank all your colleagues for us as well for all the hard work they do back in the UK. Thanks for all your hard work. Going to catch up tomorrow morning and looking on the podcast on uh, RegioLamont.com and looking forward to our live IMSA coverage tomorrow. That's a good point. Got it all to do again with another 12 hours. That'll be over on RS2, IMSA Radio. Pit stops starting again for some of the cars that are slightly off kilter. Gives us an opportunity to speak some, to some more drivers who've just got out of cars. And uh, one of those drivers is just out of the Jackie Chan DC racing car is Gabriel Aubrey. And he's yeah, with and, uh, I'm just chasing him around the back of the pits. Uh, and uh, I'm still chasing him, actually. <laughs> because he's hopping around the place and he's uh, going up onto the Pratt perch now to uh, give some engineer a, a bit of information. So maybe I was just getting in there a bit too quickly. Who, uh, Ting Pun, the uh, Dutchman who, uh, of Chinese heritage, is also listening on. And uh, Gabriel making some uh, signs with his arms, which make you think that the car was a little bit loose out there. And uh, hopefully I can... Uh, just dive in, it's just uh, checking some times, but uh, obviously uh, working hard to get back up the field, but uh, Aubrey is a guy that has really impressed me um, this weekend, and uh, at Le Mans and Silverstone, uh, he's a really good little runner, and uh, let's see if I can just get his attention now, as I dive in. Gabriel, can we just, sorry, oh, he said two minutes, yeah, fair enough. He's just doing a bit of debriefing, and um, I think I'll leave him to do that, and uh, come back to, to him a little bit later, because he's engrossed with his engineer. Well, he's done plenty of uh, sports car racing, Gabriel Aubry, these days. Just 20 years old of France and was at Daytona, in fact, racing in the LMP2 category with the PR1 Matheson Motorsports squad and has raced with Jackie Chan DC Racing as well with that crew with a win, I reckon, to his name 
uh, yeah, a couple of wins in fact at the start of the year and last time out at Shanghai so Gabby and Hope in Tongue and Stefan Rakelmi currently leading the championship by 10 points oh no I've just uh, get uh, done David, te he's uh, texting here <laughs> David Hanneman Hanson uh, well so far it's so nice so far so good yeah, so far so very good. At least for our car, it's really a shame about the 38 having an issue with the gearbox. But our car has just been mega right out the box. Um, the pace is incredible. The tires aren't dropping off. It's completely compliant over the bumps. I couldn't ask for a better car at Sebring. Now, you've driven for a lot of different teams in your career, but how do you rate Jota? It's a pretty fine operation. You see, I live only about five miles away from them, so they're my local. Jota's right at the top of the game. It's an incredible organization, incredibly organized. Everything is where it needs to be. They have all the contingencies mapped out, and the car is just, I think, uh, almost on a different level. I almost feel a little bad for the competition at the moment. So what's your plan this season? You're staying with them or you're going to race over here in, uh, in America or do both? I'm going to uh, finish the season out in WC with Joda. So going to Spa and going to Lamar, and then we'll see from there. Okay, and you're still, still writing your successful books? Still writing some good books? Yeah, I actually just released a book in November of last year called It Doesn't Have to Be Crazy at Work, um, which uh, was received very well. So yeah, it's fun. Race cars, writing books, it's all good. He's a boy, is uh, David Hanlon Hansen, and uh, of course a hugely successful computer programmer who uh, produced a program which was called Ruby on Rails, and I believe it makes things like well, a lot of the little apps that, that we use, it sort of drives them, so he's probably a multi-multi-millionaire, but he's such a nice guy. Originally from Copenhagen, but I think pretty much based in the United States now, David Heinemeyer Hansen and racing with Jordan King and Will Stevens for the first time this weekend with Jackie Chan, DC Racing, as I say, taking over from the three young Malaysian drivers, Yasmin Jafar, Weiron Tan and Nabil Jeffrey, who have been race winners with that uh, squad earlier on in the season. And as crew 37, they'll continue to earn points for the car, but of course they'll have to start to build their driver points from this point onward. Not very far away from 80 laps completed now of the uh, 268 that it was at the start of this race, but we're now going to be governed by time. Two and a half hours done. Oh, huge slide from the silver and red Ferrari going through turn seven, chasing the leader. That's, that is uh, Fisichella. Yeah, Giancarlo um, Fisichella chasing your Bergmeister, and he went for a move, didn't he? That's the that's the battle for the lead in GTE Am. I mean, Bergmeister <laughs> and Fisichella, uh, not the Am drivers there clearly, but Fisichella is uh, hammering along. Let's uh, go down to Louise Beckett, who's down at Porsche with Michael Christensen. Michael Christensen's been watching on all the activity that's going on in GT Pro. happening for us fighting in the front from the start and uh, yeah we came back fell fall backwards a little bit here before the full course yellow situation we had to change the rear light uh, but we're back in the game and yeah we just uh, have to hang in there and uh, keep on fighting how are the tires holding out i'm not sure <laughs> oh that's a good answer <laughs> i guess so thank you that's a good answer i'm not sure 
They're probably I not. They're probably not the best. The, you know, compared to other GT Pro cars, probably not as good as BMW. I would argue. Now, I've worked with uh, Louise many, many times on WEC t TV down through the years, and we used to joke with her. But it was absolutely true that we could tell when there was rain coming in or humidity in the air by how curly Louise's hair was getting through the race. Meticulously turned out Louise and straightened her hair before every race. And depending where you were in the world, you could tell what the, what the weather was going to be like to see how quickly it was starting to curl up. And I distinctly noticed in that interview there with Michael Christensen that she's getting a little bit of a at least a kink in the hair so maybe this rain that's supposed to be coming is is in fact on its way it's the, uh, the but it is pretty test. humid out there as well it is very humid so, out you know, there yeah. I mean, it, it might it, just be that there's moisture in the air even before you start with rain um, my forecast suggests that actually having said it was going to be showers at nine o'clock now changed to few showers so maybe less rain at nine but still I reckon there's going to be some before midnight and quite considerable as well. And the teams will have to switch tyres if if the forecast proves to be true. They didn't have to with that, you know, sort of very light trickle of rain, which disappeared almost as quickly as it arrived. Now, Rebellion and SMP Racing almost overlapping as they work their way past the pit lane exit, John. Yeah, and the whole of the GTE profile behind them are separated by just under 18 seconds with Alex Lynn under pressure for sixth position in the 97 Aston Martin from Kevin Estra and Sam Birch closing in on them. We've got a couple of battles within that where there's two or three cars within a second of each other as through comes the Dragon Speed car through turn one and through that battle as well. And this is the danger time for all of these drivers. You're trying to run your own race. The P2 cars coming through want to lose as little time as possible. The GTE cars, of course, don't want to lose a position. And Estra now really pressuring the back of Alex Lynn, the second of the two Aston Martins. That's the uh, light lime green colour with the green accents that uh, Alex is in. That's the 97 car. The 95 is Michael Sorensen. That has the red accents on it. And I know that because I downloaded the brilliant Andy Blackmore's spotter's guide. Look it up on the web. Essential to have that alongside you when you're either here trackside or watching the coverage around the world and there's one for the IMSA race tomorrow that is worth a look and he has been doing a few last minute changes to that over the last day or so I, I did see Andy, I haven't had a chat with him yet but I did see him here intense traffic Johnny huge crowd on hand and still plenty of racing to go here Fabulous traffic, though, uh, with the GT Pro so tightly bunched. And, of course, the prototypes having to work their way through as safely and as timely as they can. Really good fight at the head of uh, GTE Am 2 between York Bergmeister and Giancarlo Fisichella. And, you know, Matt Campbell's really not very far away either in the 77 Porsche. What about Lummy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're talking a gap of point three of a second between the top two. You don't need a stopwatch uh, to realise how close those two cars are, the Bumblebee Porsche and the Spirit of Race silver and red car. But Matt Campbell's a second back and a further second back, Pedro Lamy. So very shortly we could have four cars dicing for the lead in GTE Am. So uh, 
Four times the fun, then 16 wheels of action. As they head into Sunset Ben and Bergmeister, a little bit off the racing line there. Now, what's his exit going to be like in comparison to the Ferrari? The next car back is one of the prototypes, could even be a Toyota actually, which is due across the line imminently. No, I don't think it is. It is the one of the uh, Jackie Chan DC racing cars. And Will Stevens in car 37 leads that. It is Will, in fact, who's now going to scythe his way by Fissy Keller. Careful not to run into the back of York Bergmeister. And this will briefly separate that dice at the head of the order then in GTE Am. Matty Campbell, fresh from victory in the Bathurst 12 hours. Pedro Lamy, who also did that race with his co-drivers that he's with this weekend. Paul Dallalana and Matthias Lauda. Olivier Beretta at the wheel of the number 70 MR Racing Ferrari and it's still Sally Yolok doing the driving behind the wheel of the 90 TF Sport Aston. Now we have had a driver change at that crew. Charlie Eastwood did a 27 lap stint and Yolok now back at the wheel for TF Sport. Martin Jones has just tweeted in at RSL Studio and uh, I've retweeted the picture. He's been busy with the Photoshop. Very funny indeed. I'll take four small numbers and two big ones, please, Carol. I mean, Heidi. <laughs> Brilliant. This is the great thing about long-distance racing. People have got time to put memes together. <laughs> so we need to, incorporate, need to incorporate your race number somewhere in that. Yeah, which is normally 73 or 5. I suppose it depends how many. We could put the lap number in there, couldn't you? You could have put 268 in there. Uh, yes. Yes, and then come up with your own six numbers to try and get to 268. Ooh, that would be good. Down in the pit lane, people are getting intermediates ready. Okay. Interesting. Well, the radar does show weather very, very close to Sebring International Circuit, but it looks like most of that weather is just north of the venue. Blue flags being waved, by the way, to some of the GT Pro runners. That's to warn them that there is a prototype trying to get through. Will Stevens and also the other Jackie Chan DC racing car which is number 38 and that car is back out on track now but well well behind Stefan Raquelme currently doing the driving there as we can grab another quick word with Egidio Perfetti from the Porsche number 56 crew and just watching the TV screens um your story this weekend so far is just incredible. It must be great to see you right, um, leading the pack. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. I mean, the team did a great job. Porsche helped us, uh, DHL helped us. So it was uh, important and fantastic to get the second car here. And okay, it took us some time, but we are pleased with the performance in qualifying and even more so now in the race. I think that uh, Jürg is defending uh, for position. Uh, we are leading the race, obviously. Fisichella behind him is pushing hard. We'll see how this uh, pans out, but we are very pleased to be here and to be competing so well. We've got all the team here sitting around. I've seen so many of them sleeping at any point they can. They must have put in so much work so far. Yeah, it's been a tough weekend for them in particular. A, a couple of very long nights. Uh, but I think that uh, already come the qualifying, uh, seeing that car did well, was very well rewarding for uh, everybody. So, um, I think it would have been more difficult if we didn't do well in qualifying. <laughs> Wonderful. Thanks very much. Thank you. Igidio Perfetti once again with Louise Beckett then, and uh, happy 
at the moment to be out of the car and watching Jörg Bergmeister, who knows this place very well, oh, yeah. uh, doing a tremendous job to keep Giancarlo Fisichella, a former Formula One driver, of course, but now uh, employed by Ferrari to race their cars very quickly indeed. Has was, was in Formula One, but now for many, many years has been racing their GTs. And it, it, it took him a season or so to, to get himself into GT racing in the heavier cars as yep. the number 10 Dragon Speed prototype has been in and out. Uh, let's head down to the pit lane. Andrew Marriott has Thomas Flood. Yeah, well, I'm not quite there yet, actually, John. I'm just uh, getting into the pits here, avoiding a, a Michelin man. And uh, Thomas hasn't seen me yet with all his curly hair. But uh, Thomas, you must be very pleased with the way the car's going now. They did again. You must be happy with the uh, performance so far. The Giancarlo is amazing. Look at that. I mean, he's the Porsche is a faster car today, and he's right in the back. So I'm very happy what he's doing. Yeah. It must be great to drive with uh, Fizzy with all that experience, all those Grand Prix, and so much experience of Ferraris as well. Amazing experience, and he's right on the ball. I learned so much from him. I'm very proud to be in the same team. So obviously, still a, a long, way, a long way to go yet, though. Five hours to go, four and a half hours to go. I will be next in the car. We're trying to hopefully end up in the top five, top four. Excellent, Thomas Fleur. Never spoken to him before. I bet physical has got some great stories, hasn't he? Oh, you you yeah, sit down, you know, after a debrief, or maybe having a, an Italian somewhere on your travels. Uh, probably van der Zander in the pits next, in the next couple of laps. He didn't pit through the full-course yellow safety car period. So watch out for Regan van der Zander coming into the pit lane. I was just wondering whether Thomas Fleur's curly hair was a good indication of uh, whether we're about to get rain as well, maybe. Uh, but, yeah, what a teammate to have, Giancarlo Fisichella. And that's been a really nice unit, actually, for the last few years. Thomas Fleur, Francesco Castellacci and Fissi at the wheel of the 54 car. And it's a spirit of the race, spirit of race team, uh, but very much AF Corsa run, that crew. And really in a strong chance of taking a victory this weekend in the GTE Am field. Um, nowhere near half distance just yet but they're in the hunt certainly 0.3 of a second behind York Bergmeister with Matt Campbell unable to make inroads particularly over the last few laps still the gap is 1.2 seconds and Pedro Lamy if anything has lost a bit of time he's now 1.4 seconds adrift well Paul's prediction of van der Zander coming in in the number 10 was spot on I mentioned him going out what I did say was he'd handed the, handed the car to Henrik Edmund Ben Handley left out of the rotation possibly keeping bed for later when it gets dark and possibly wet as well it's a sensible decision you've got to be thinking long game all the time and what might happen much later on in the race the Aston Martin still pretty much running together just an Aston vantage length between them and Marco Sorensen is ahead of Alex Lane with Kevin Estra behind. So that's a front right tyre on the number 91 car of uh, Richard Leitz. He's a little bit down on pressure, but it's not going down any further. Could have been a curb strike or something like that that popped a bit of 
air out of the tyre, but it's not going any further down. You just have to be careful how he leans on that right front tyre, and it gets a lot of work through some of these hard left-hand corners. I think particularly of turn 17, turn 1, turn 16 on the back straight as well. Yeah, true. Uh, uh, sorry, no, it's a 17's a, a, a right-hander, right. you wouldn't get that. It's the left-handers that you get it. Well, so turn one, I'm thinking. Turn one, you definitely get it. I mean, that hurts it. your tyres massively, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. It is. One, five, that long left-hander at five before you sweep back around. Oh, 56 off. No, it's the leader. York Bergmeister's made a mistake at turn one, and he's gone backwards into the barrier. Was there contact with Fizzy Keller? There was. Fizzy's hit him. Fizzy's hit him and put him sideways into the barrier. What a shame for Egidio Perfetti and for Patrick Lindsay and for Jörg Bergmeister, although he's got it out of the tyres very quickly. And the 54 Ferrari is continuing on now, of course, in the class lead. But Bergmeister will have to limp around in car 56. They're the championship leaders, remember, in the WEC. Round six of the championship, and he's got virtually the whole lap to do to get back. But I don't think any of the tyres have gone down. And it's the rear wing that's now slightly out of alignment. He nearly caught it, you know. Incredible car control from York Bergmeister. It I wasn't wonder how that hit. will be judged by, by the stewards. It wasn't a big hit. He's locked up, locked up the Michelins and gone into the tyre barriers at the outside of Turn 1. The Team Netherlands racing prototype in. That's the black and yellow Jumbo sponsored car. Under investigation. I did see someone under investigation as well, Johnny, for yeah. uh, safety car procedure. 37, I thought, was on that list. Right. And okay. possibly a few others. Let's just see whether I can trace back through the messages. What do you reckon to that Fizzy versus Bergmeister thing? It's not the first time Bergmeister has had uh, a bit of a clonk battle round here. Think back to some of the finishes in the American Le Mans series here with York Bergmeister involved, banging wheels. Yeah, I'd actually like to see a few more angles of it. It's very tricky from that point of view. I mean, Fisichella wasn't alongside by any stretch, and, and often the rule is if there's contact and it spins a car, then it's the person who's slightly behind's fault. If he'd been further along Jörg Bergmeister, contact would have been made, but it wouldn't have forced Jörg into a spin. But, I mean, that's why we, you and I sit in this booth and talk about stuff, and other people who are employed to decide 37 and 63 for full course yellow behavior paul trustwell there you go has told us thank you paul it was uh, the esm ferrari and york bergmeister in a porsche in 20 oh no it wasn't i don't know it's a long time ago it was turned coming out of turn 17 and it was the dash to the line of course and then didn't we have them with a corvette Banging wheels at uh, WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca as well coming to the line. So Jörg isn't uh, worried about a bit of bumping and boring, but he came off the worst there. Kobayashi in the pits and out of the car it is Mike Conway, the very rapid Englishman. Mike has never had a, a, an ounce of fat on him. When I talked to him the other day, he looked even fitter than ever. An extraordinary specimen as all of these drivers are. So you've got to say that York Bergmeister's banged wheels with the best because it was Jan Magnussen in the Corvette. It's uh, WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Sega. Who was in the ESM car? What year was that? Mm, not sure. Oh, you're not sure, OK. But now Fisichella, 
Was that in the Sebring 12-hour? Yeah, Sebring 12-hour. Okay. Coming out of turn 17. We, they, they'd gone... At, they were probably three minutes past the 12 hours because they'd just failed to get lapped by the leader. The leader went across the line and they were just in front and they had a whole extra lap to battle around for, I believe, the class victory, if I'm not mistaken. All seven with Jamie Merlo, was it? And the Reese Ferrari, thank you. Yes, ah. I thought it was a red Ferrari. Well, Bergmeister in a flying lizard's Porsche at that, uh, that time. Yes, yes, absolutely. And absolutely magnificent. In comes the number eight. Out gets Fernando Alonso. Extra lap from Alonso there. And in gets... <laughs> I think I found it, yeah. Yeah, their race time. The, the, the Risi Competizione Ferrari's race time was 12 hours, 3 minutes, 14.4. And the Flying Lizards Porsche, 12 hours, 3 minutes, 14.6. So yeah. after 12 hours of racing, oh, and they, they were separated by 0.2 of a second. And they hit each other half a dozen times between the centre of turn 17 and the finish line. Well, I'm not, have you not seen the video of that? Uh, probably. Oh, you probably. must. Oh, and we've got a problem for the 31 Dragon Speed car. Not uh, for the first time. No, it's another rear wing problem. Now, has he hit something? Exit of turn 17. I think he's been in the barriers, Johnny. Yes, he has. That's the 31 car of Pastor Maldonado. So, Anthony Davidson's car. Roberto Gonzalez also down to drive this machine as the silver. But Pastor Maldonado is going to have to take that car back to the crew. Well, at least they know how to fix this now at speed. It's also done damage, though, to that rear left wheel arch, the fender and going to have to not only replace the rear clip but also quite a bit of the bodywork that sits above the engine above that uh, 4.2 litre Gibson V8 it's left debris John on the track as well which is being collected yeah that, that is of T17 on the race line I have debris on track on the race line at the exit of T17 so that's carbon fibre shards, potentially, that have just been split in two and into many, many more pieces. And GT Pro cars running over it. So what will Eduardo Freitas, the clerk of the course, decision be about this? Will we have to go some sort of caution to recover or at least sweep the track? But cars have already run over some of these bits being shed by car 31. Yeah, we're going to go full course yellow because of the debris on the start-finish line. And again, remember, that Eight, means seven, the car six, slowed down to five, 80 kilometres an hour. And this countdown three, from Eduardo Freitas is to let the teams one, do exactly the same to their drivers. Yellow, full course yellow. Second full course yellow. And... And... Just a merest brush of the exit wall by Pastor Maldonado, but it's just all sorts of carbon fibre right on the racing line, and he shed a little more bodywork as well. It's going to need a complete rear uh, clip. Uh, Fernando Alonso with Andrew Marriott. Can I walk and talk? Uh, he says no, he's uh, rushing off, he's putting his uh, dark glasses on, and he's off uh, like a robber's dog, unfortunately. Um, so sorry about that. He wasn't going to speak to us. Well, was he not happy? Uh, he seemed to put a decent shift in there. Yeah. The number eight car being taken over by Kaz Nakajima last time around. And, yes, the sweepers are going to be now unleashed onto Smart. the concrete start-finish straight to make sure that the track surface is safe for those still out there. Really quick stop for... 
Pastor Maldonado, and because we're on a full course yellow, he's barely lost any track time. Uh, let's have a word with Kaz, uh, Kaz Nakajima. No, Kaz Nakajima got in the car. I think Kamui, it? I think. Is it Kobayashi? Uh, is uh, on the uh, pit lane. Yeah. My my apologies. Uh, I misidentified the drivers from the the Toyota TSO 50s. Andrew Marriott is down there. Yeah. He yeah. didn't yeah. know who he was talking yeah, to. With the right Japanese, Kobayashi. That was hard work, I think. Yeah, always hard. Yeah, never be easy. Uh, happy with the way the car is at the moment. And, uh... Yeah, it's all right. I mean, we. We are a little bit, you know, uh, difficult condition with the traffic and, uh, you know, there are a lot of marbles on track. So when you're overtaking, like, uh, some GT car, whatever, you know, never get the consistent grip. So it's quite difficult to manage to feel the car. There was a couple of fantastic corners here. And this, this last corner, I've, I've never seen cars fucking around. You know, it's so bumpy through there. You, you must really hang on through there. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I think we are four-wheel drive, so basically I think whatever the bump. So I'm, not, you know. I'm not sure many of the wheels are on the ground. <laughs> yeah, but a four-wheel drive, man. At least one wheel is on the ground. <laughs> and that helps, excellent. Yeah. yeah, so it's a terrific track. You're doing a great job. We're just hanging in there. But we're not halfway yet. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, still we left how many hours? It's uh, five hours left, so it's, you know, it's pretty long way. Just be cool, uh, we see what's gonna happen. Uh, it's gonna be in dark in after, you know, one hour probably. So we see what's gonna happen. I think more, you know, Huruko Zero, maybe more crash. It's a long way, so take it easy. We see what's gonna happen. Absolutely, see what happened. You remember in Formula One, he was one of the great overtakers, one of the great late, late, late breakers, wasn't he? Oh yeah, absolutely, and very well liked uh, in uh, Formula One, fantastic to have him uh, in the FIA World Endurance Championship. My prediction? I know my prediction. I do, always. Two-car team with Alonso in IndyCar for McLaren. Not this year, obviously, but next year. What, with Kobayashi as the second driver? Yep. That'll be exciting. You, uh, you know. Mark your words. Yeah. Okay. Bob Fernley's gone to McLaren to, to help run their IndyCar team. That's not just for one race at this year's Indy 500. Zach Brown has a knack of finding money for IndyCar. And I actually think we'll see a McLaren in a couple of other extra races before the end of this uh, NTT IndyCar series, as well as a prelude to a two-car team next year. And it'll either be Alonso for a full season with another driver, who I think will be Kobayashi, or it might just be Kobayashi and another driver. But I, I think Kobayashi will go to a McLaren IndyCar team. Mm, okay. Well, who did you race for in, in Formula One? I'm trying to remind uh, myself now. It was a couple of teams, wasn't it? Uh, Caterham is the one I remember, yes. Yep. And then Sauber and Toyota in the yep. earlier days. So uh, 75 starts for Kamui Kamu Kobayashi at Formula One level. Huge amount of rubber pick up. The side, uh, size of softballs out there, bigger than a cricket ball. Not quite hair-sized. Small rabbit, <laughs> maybe. Big, bigger than a hair? Uh, let's go to Andrew for a quick uh, comment about uh, Kamui Kobayashi. Well, if you remember, 
he came into sports car racing in a, in a Ferrari, didn't he? He did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in GT Ferraris, and uh, it was obviously a good move for him because at that time his career was going nowhere after the Caterham experience. But uh, obviously, he was one of Toyota's boys at, at the beginning, and they invested a huge amount of money in him as they have in many different Japanese drivers. But um, yeah, he's. A super guy, isn't he? Very good English too, because some of those Japanese drivers not so easy to talk to, and uh, I haven't spent much time with Kamui, but I was imp very impressed with that interview there. He's a uh, favourite of Bruce Jones, who's uh, done a bit of work with him in the past. Shared a Formula One pit lane with him when he and Nick Damon were in the F1 pit lane for over eight years apiece. Uh, right, let's uh, just take stock of what's going on. We've got pit stops going on. I'll tell you what we'll do again. Whilst we're getting close to the end of another race hour, Robin London is standing by. Uh, let's let's uh, have ourselves a little hourly update so that we don't miss any of the uh, action when we go back to green. So let's take a, a little look at what's been going on uh, in the first three hours of the race. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.